Mark Lawrence, Spencer Dornan, and Zach Lowry. They all speak on today's interview-packed TX Water Polo Podcast. I'm James Smith in Austin, and Joe Linehan is with us via Skype. How are you, Joe? Good. How are you doing, James? Good. It was a very busy weekend of water polo for Texans, all uh, really all over the country. We're going to cover a bunch of it today. We have three interviews lined up. So uh, Joe and I, you, you you don't get the pleasure of hearing us yammer on and on today as much as we have normally. But uh, wanted to cover a couple things before we move on to talking with Mark Lawrence, the head coach of Austin College, Spencer Dornan, who's the head coach at Pegasus Water Polo. And we're finally going to get a chance to talk to Zach Lowry, who's a junior at Cal Baptist and is having uh, another excellent year. But first of all is the Austin College weekend. They came away from Southern California having played five games. Uh, they they came away winless, which uh, we can have a conversation about, But uh, and you'll hear what Mark has to say about that when we sp- speak later. Losses to Cal Lutheran. Fresno Pacific, Occidental, Cal Baptist, and and Laverne, but uh, at least two two or three games that I heard were actually quite close going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, from what I gather, I mean, I, I mean, just kind of reading the recaps and talking to some people that they were in uh, most of the games, and uh, it's just that you know maybe they just didn't have as deep of a bench, and you know the other team just played a little bit better in the second half, and the other team pulled away, but. But from what I gather, a lot better results than earlier in the year. They keep getting better and better every weekend. And I'm looking forward to seeing how they do in a couple of weeks at the up up on the East Coast. So. Yeah, right. So they're headed off to Pittsburgh in a couple of weeks for the Division Three championships, which are, um, I mean, this is really what they've been preparing for because now they get to face competition that is a little bit more along their same lines. Connecticut College, Johns Hopkins, although that's a very good team. MIT, Monmouth, and Penn State, Barron, and Washington, and Jefferson. So those are those are if you um, if you want to put it this way, it's more winnable games than they than they had before. One thing that I noticed, and the Laverne game was streamed, and you can still find it on the uh, Laverne University Athletics website, is the the Kangaroos travel well. Like that, I think the crowd that was in favor of Austin College was bigger than Laverne, and Laverne was playing at its own home pool. Yeah, I mean, I think even, uh, I mean, I, I know we're going to talk about them. There were a couple age group teams out there from Texas. And I even think uh, the Thunder Water Polo team went out there That's for right. that game yeah, yeah. and cheered them on. So, um, I mean, they're like the, like the 1,400 kids. So, yeah, I mean, I think they travel well. The parents are very enthusiastic. Um, I think there's a lot of interest in how they do. They are, they are the Texas team right now. In they college are. water polo. So. That's it. And uh, so let's, yeah, let's move on because uh, there's the a big 14 and under tournament in Southern California called the Evan Cousineau Cup. Um, and Texas, so three, essentially three, well, you could call it four teams. Pegasus sent two teams. Thunder sent two teams. And they came away with a grand total uh, of nine wins and three losses. At least that's the, that's the count that I saw. The Pegasus... 14 and under teams played in the platinum division, the highest one, came away with a fourth place finish. And uh, Thunder came away with a similar result in the gold division. They they placed fifth after having won three out of four. A really, I mean, that this is a big weekend because they played teams that are w- very well known throughout the country as being strong Southern California teams. Yeah, I mean, I think both, uh, I mean, I think both Pegasus and Thunder, they've shown a willingness to go out and travel and play. And compete, and uh, I think you know they're getting comfortable in these settings, and they're and they're kind of showing that hey, there is some good water polo over in Texas. And uh, I mean, I've I mean, I think there was a story about how one of the other teams was very upset that 
they were losing to a Pegasus, like the Pegasus 1400s. And uh, was it, which is always, I always find that very humorous out there. (laughs) And, um, and I mean, I I think they, I mean, they were, they were competitive or yeah, kind of, kind of, or beating teams from the, like the OC water polo team. That's right. Imperial South coast. Um, So, I mean, LA premier, I mean, LA premier. I mean, these are, these are, these are some of the best teams out there. So it just shows that the like as far as the boys side things are things are looking good up in North Texas so quite good yeah that's a, those are big wins they they lost to Del Mar which apparently has a very strong goalkeeper and a, and a good defender um Del Mar's a, and you wouldn't even necessarily count Del Mar among those really elite clubs i mean they're obviously very very good um but then they came back uh, Pegasus came back to beat SoCal in a i guess you could call it a semifinal and then, unfortunately, they had to leave. <laughs> they had they had a flight to catch, which is uh, something that's not unusual for Texas teams. Otherwise, they would have faced Newport Beach for third place, and uh, a win there would have been something really special. Yeah, the flights sometimes are always like are always Isn't a tough it? part. But yeah, I mean, I think I think Pegasus showed kind of kind of yeah, just kind of showed everyone, hey, there are some very good teams, and come on off to Texas and Leah, and let's play. That would be great. Yeah, it's not just going to be, yeah, like, like you don't need to send your C team. The yeah, your A team's going to get some good games. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Thunder on the in, in the gold bracket. I think as you said, Orange County. They beat them. They beat uh, Pride, uh, the team from up in Thousand Oaks. Um, then they fell to South Coast, a club that I, I frankly don't know a whole lot about actually, and I'm from Southern California. Nice and, stuff. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, they're in the Thousand Oaks area too. They are okay. Um, and uh, was it? And they and the Thunder team uh, lost them in a shootout. That's right. Yep, that's right. It, it, the, the, it, four goals to one in the shootout. But yeah, otherwise they would have been even competing for a higher uh, a placement. And then went on to win their last game, ten to seven against Imperial, and that yielded a fifth place finish. So congratulations to all those teams. That's uh, really excellent news for all of them. Um, and uh, we'll look forward to having them at a tournament that's coming up this coming weekend. We'll talk about that when we wrap things up, but next excerpts from a conversation with Austin College head coach Mark Lawrence after their five-game weekend in California. In many podcasts, this time would be filled with ads for electric toothbrushes or recruiting services. Not here. Instead, we're asking you to show your support for TX Water Polo by donating to it. Go to txwaterpolo.com donate and help us continue covering the sport we love in the Lone Star State. Hi, I'm U.S. Olympian Janai Kerr, and when I need to stay up to date with my water polo news in Texas, I listen to the TX Water Polo Podcast. The Austin College Kangaroos returned from a trip in California over the weekend. They played five games, and on the Skype machine with us is Mark Lawrence, the head coach. How are you, Mark? Good, James. Thanks for having us on. Welcome back. Um, so five games, you came away winless. We've uh, It's something that we've talked about before. But what – and against some teams that were actually uh, very challenging, Cal Lutheran, Occidental, Cal Baptist, Fresno, Pacific, and Laverne. Um, overall, what was your impression of the weekend? Um, overall, you know, there's a couple of things we were disappointed with. But uh, overall, like the majority of the weekend, we are really happy with how we played. Um, I think it's safe to say in every game we played three excellent quarters of war polo. Um, we were in a position, you know, with those three quarters to be able to uh, put, put ourselves in a spot to win the game um, or be in a position to, you know, maintain momentum. Um, 
you know, we just have to figure out how to play for four quarters. And I think a lot of that just speaks to our youth and our and our inexperience, uh, you know, prior to coming to college. And that's, you know, part of the challenges of being a very young team. You know, we have nothing but underclassmen as far as eligibility goes. So right. it's one of the hurdles we're, we're working with. But we played, you know, a good chunk of this weekend. We played our most consistent and our best level of war polo. Um, we just need to be able to do it for a full game. So. And my understanding is that both Cal Baptist and Fresno Pacific, you were you were in the lead at a certain point, um, and then like you're suggesting, I think is uh, is there might have been some sort of a, a, not a mental breakdown, but but just not as strong as you would like them to be in the in the final parts of the game. Yeah, absolutely. So we were we were leading. Uh, Fres- you know, Fresno Pacific is uh, has a really good team this year. They have they have some pretty impressive uh, uh, results at this point. But uh, and Cal Baptist is always really strong. Yeah. Um, but these are two teams we kind of look at. We have a lot of respect for. We want to build up into like their level. Um, so those two games were really excited to see where we were um, at, at that moment in the season. And both games we we were leading. Um, you know, Fresno Pacific, if I remember correctly, tied the game at six uh, with the final possession going into halftime. But we were still really satisfied with the halftime score. And then uh, with Cal Baptist, you know. Um, I'm not sure if we just kind of caught them by surprise because we played them once already this year. But right. uh, we had a 6-5 lead going, um, you know, halfway through the third quarter. We're still leading 6-5. And at that point, we had led the entire game. And we actually started the first quarter with a 4-0 lead. Um, just came out, out of the shoots on fire, playing our best war flow the entire uh, season. And not only that, but probably our best war flow since we added the program last year. Right. Um, you know, and I think just as a really inexperienced team, we kind of call it mental quicksand where you make one error and you allow that to become two or three errors. And the more you struggle to press and pressure yourself to to get back to this idea of perfection versus just just, you know, mentally uh, regaining composure, um, you seem to dig yourself in a bigger hole. So right. that's kind of how we finished both of those games. And uh, so that was disappointing. But we were really happy with how we played up until that point. And. You know, I think it's a good problem and challenge to try and figure out. The last game was against Laverne, and that was the only one that I could see that was streamed, and you can still watch it now. I think it's available. Well, there's a link to it on the acruse.com website as well. And um, one thing, and that that also spoke to exactly what you've been mentioning, which is uh, you were one goal down by with six minutes left in the game, five minutes or something like that. And then just a couple things came up and, uh, and suddenly there are five goals ahead. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're, we're, we're within striking distance. Uh, Laverne had had to lead the entire game, but the entire game was uh, one goal, one goal lead, two goal leads, or even a uh, tied game. Right. And uh, you know, Coach Beamer's done a phenomenal job. They took Pomona Pitzer to the limit uh, just the other day, you know, as, and as we all know, they're one of the premier programs. Um, in our sport so you know to play them so tough um i was it was great um you know we would get kind of knocked off our our feet a little bit and come right back fighting and and, you know give up a goal score a goal things of that nature and our guys never stopped playing hard and then unfortunately in the fourth quarter is the same idea we'd uh you know an off an unforced turnover leads to a counterattack or right exactly uh, lazy yeah lazy body position away from the ball leads to um, being in a bad position when the ball comes comes to your side and getting ejected on something that's preventable. So uh, it's just, you know, maintaining the focus and the intensity for every possession for the entire game. You know, I think one of the challenges we have is that we have a lot of phenomenal athletes who are able to uh, find success on their athletic ability, 
versus being fundamentally sound uh, at the youth level. We're trying to get some of those bad habits out, out of our okay. system. So it's one of the challenges that we're, fa- that we're facing, but really happy with how we played up until about five minutes left in that game. Right. Um, one of the things that seems like you should be pretty happy about was something I observed on that stream, which was you have a big supporting crowd. Like the, it's, I yeah. think the, the way it sounded to me was that there are more, um, there were more kangaroo fans on the deck at Laverne than Laverne fans itself. It must be nice to have that kind of support all the way from, uh, from Texas. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a uh, phenomenal. We, we have, a phenomenal group of parents, um, both men and women's programs that are just so supportive of us. One of our female athletes and one of our, one, one of our female leaders, she actually flew out to watch the guys play. She was at all their games. Um, you know, we had, we had parents, friends, uh, we had a former youth coach brought one of our guys, former, all of his high school teammates out. Um, it seems like everywhere we go, we have a minimum of 50, 60 people in the stands turn us on. So it's great, uh, for the guys to go to travel so far, but then have a comfortable net of uh, supporters with them, whether whether they're West Coast families when we go west, or they're families that follow us whenever we travel. Um, so that's awesome. You know, I've I've had conversations and jokes with various coaches throughout the last year and a half, where we go to their pool and we have a bigger crowd, and uh, it makes for some really great jokes. But it's something that we don't, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something that we don't ignore, and that we feel very blessed for. You know, okay. Texas, um, Texas. People are very proud and uh, very supportive, and we absolutely love that. So, yeah, and, and I'm gonna, there's an interview that I have with uh, Spencer Dornan later today. Their team went out to California at a tournament on the same weekend and did quite well. But he mentioned himself that Thunder, which is another club team from Dallas, um, took the time to come watch you guys against. Was it Laverne? Yeah. I, maybe it was a different game, uh, but yeah. Yeah, Fresno Pacific. Fresno Pacific, got it. it. Was, so you had a you had yet awesome. more in your crowd. Yeah, so we were playing in Riverside, and I believe they were competing in Orange County. So oh. anyone who knows Los Angeles knows that the 91 is not a super friendly freeway to drive that far on. And uh, Coach Dion, who's been a huge supporter of this program, was sending us athletes over the last couple of years for both for both genders. Uh, he brought his entire Thunder team out, and. Uh, it was phenomenal. You know, we're warming up, we're getting ready, and all of a sudden we see about, you know, 15 to 20 individuals wearing wearing Thunder shirts, cheering super loud, and then they intentionally walked behind our bench so each one of them could, could scream, go get them, and uh, give us a lot of support on their way out. So that was phenomenal. That was, a you know, a fantastic surprise, and uh, it was really great. I wish our schedule was a little bit different and we could have returned the favor to both Thunder and uh, Pegasus Buff because um, yeah. it's always great. Like, I'm, I, I quickly learned last year that, doesn't matter what level you're at, you know, Texas is very proud and we support each other. So something that we're really thankful that happened. Right. Well, let's, uh, so that, that weekend is over. Um, coming up is a game against Washington and Jefferson on Friday, the 25th. And then the next, uh, that, that Saturday begins the division three championships, the CWPA championships um, in Pittsburgh. So what can we look forward to uh, from the ruse for that weekend? Yeah, no, we're really excited. Um, you know, next up on our dock is, uh, like, like you said, is Washington Jefferson. Um, they're a program like us where they're very young. They're very talented. Uh, they obviously have a phenomenal coach. Uh, Nicola's one of the best that our, our game has to offer. And um, they're in this very similar spot to where, you know, they're trying to gain as much experience as possible with, with a young roster, just like we are. So we're going to play them in, in their pool. Um, that game is separate from the actual invitational that right. we're going to. 
Uh, we're trying to help them get like a home game and a Friday night game and get a good crowd there uh, for for their for their program. Um, you know, in in these smaller pools, these shallow pools, absolutely anything can happen. So <laughs> <Yeah>. we're <laughs> as we as, as we all know. So we're I mean we're very excited. We know they're going to be physical. We know they're going to be very smart. They're going to be very well coached. Um, so we're really excited for that game. And then we just found out about 20 minutes ago what the seedings are going to be for uh, our D3 oh, champion. Breaking news. So, Let us know. Yeah, absolutely. So for us, Austin College will we'll open up the weekend uh, as a number six seed, and we're going to play the number three seed, Connecticut College, uh, which is something they're really, really excited about. And like W&J, they have uh, a very young roster with a very strong coach. Um, so these next two games we have for our program are really important. I think it's going to show – um, the improvement that we've made and kind of show everyone where we're at as a program. Um, up until this point, we've been on this idea of education through experience. So now we're really excited for this weekend. And then, you know, if we could get past Con College, uh, I think anything can happen. So we had a pretty good game with Hopkins earlier this year, and I think they would be next um, on the weekend. So, you know, we're looking forward to what what could happen, but um, you know, all focus is on W and J at that Con College. So. Right. Um, conference uh, or the Division Three Championships includes, like you said, Connecticut College, Johns Hopkins, MIT. Um, if you happen to come up against them, you might actually know a couple things about their coach. Uh, Monmouth College, Penn State Barron, and Pretty then Washington guy. and Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I think we mentioned off the air at some point, you know, that would be an, that's like going to be an interesting matchup and give them uh, a little bit of uh, guff, if you know what I mean. So our, uh, our guys are very excited to hopefully, whether it's this year or next year, uh, in the very near future, our kids are very excited to uh, play MIT just because they, they all love Austin and that's never going to change. But they really want to beat Austin. Yeah. Um, and then last year, you know, we got blown out by them twice. So we want to kind of hopefully get an opportunity to kind of right that ship a little bit and uh, show them the improvement that we've made. And then obviously see see an old friend. So That's right. That's Austin Ringheim, who left uh, the Austin College program to take over at MIT and uh, is receiving accolades to the point where they're talking about him being coach of the year in his, uh, in his division. So um, we'll look forward to that. But... Mark, we're going to stop for now. When we come back, uh, when, when, when we talk to you again, we'll cover what happened up in Pittsburgh. And then also you got some games upcoming in Texas, finally. So uh, we'll cover that the yep. next time we speak. But until then, thank you for your time. Absolutely. Thanks, James. Appreciate it. Next up, a conversation with former Cal All-American national team member and now current head coach at Pegasus Water Polo Academy in Dallas, Spencer Dornan. Pegasus Water Polo Club came back from California with one of the more impressive performances of a team from Texas in some time. And on the phone with us is Spencer Dornan, the head coach of that program. How are you, Spencer? I'm doing well, James. Thanks for having me on. Right. So um, it was pretty clear based on social media and other uh, outlets that uh, Pegasus really I think you could fairly say surprised a bunch of teams out in California at the Evan Cousineau Cup. Your first game uh, of the tournament was a two-goal win over Orange County, and this is a, this is a serious club. Um, and by the end of the tournament, you, aside from flight uh, issues, you could have placed as high as third in the Platinum Division. So how'd you do it? 
uh, you know, it's been a slow process, you know, working every day. I get to give the, give the kids the most credit. They come in and, you know, they believe in what we're teaching them and they keep working hard every day. And, uh, you know, we made big jumps little by little. Uh, did well at JOs this last year uh, over the summer and then um, ended up, uh, you know, continuing that success. And just, um, I, I would say we surprised teams, but it really wasn't too much of a surprise for us as, as we've been, you know, working out a day in and day out. But I think it also says a lot to the success of the, the entire zone. Um, we had, you know, three teams from Texas out there, and, and we lost a total of three games out of 12. So, right. Thunder um, sent a 14-and-under team, and you actually fielded a second 14-and-under team um, and compiled a record of, as you said, I think 9-3. and three. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, so this group of guys that you have on your 14-and-under team have been playing together for some time. Is that correct? Yeah, they've been playing together, some of them, as, as much as four years now. So uh, it's it's been fun to watch their development, uh, fun to watch them continue to grow together as a group. Uh, and and I think, you know, it, it's exciting. I think they – I did not necessarily know what to expect when I went out there, and I was definitely a little nervous when we were matching up with Orange County Water Polo Club in our first game. Right. You know, the next thing you know, it's four nothing, and um, the I think the Orange, <laughs> Orange County Water Polo Club coach was a little uh, taken back. So it was uh, it was exciting when he called timeout to try to reorganize his boys. <laughs> Very satisfying. And then I was, my understanding is that the crowd was buzzing in somewhat the same way. It's like, who are these guys from Texas? Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I I didn't get too much of it directly towards me, but our our, our parents were. We're telling me that some of the fans and parents were coming up to them and saying, where are you guys from? <laughs> kind of, you know, not really sure what to make of it. Um, but it, it was actually really uh, enjoyable after actually our loss to Del Mar. Um, one of the team parents came up to me and said uh, and just complimented our team quite a bit as we had lost them considerably in uh, in JOs and mm-hmm. just remarked at, at what you know how much improvement that she'd seen within our team just since uh late july so. right so let's do the scores pegasus beats orange county in their first game eight to six second game against la premier 14 to eight i mean these are serious clubs um then your third game was the disappointing one against del mar which apparently is quite strong uh, defensively at the least and then SoCal, you beat them by four in order to, or, or that's what led to your placement in the uh, final game that was supposed to be against Newport, uh, another traditional power. Um, how were the kids about um, dealing with not being able to play that game because you guys had to catch a flight? They were, they were pretty disappointed. Uh, obviously, you know, they wanted the opportunity to, to place third or place as high as we possibly could. Um, and so when we played SoCal, there was a, a little bit of um, sort of disappointment uh, that, you know, that the, the game, quote unquote, didn't mean anything, although it did. Um, and so we came out a little sluggish, but uh, they were able to get the competitive fire and, and really come back. Um, we were down, I think, three goals in the first uh, half and ended up tying it at halftime and then taking control in the second half right. and, winning, and winning by four. 
Yeah, a great outcome altogether for all the teams from Texas. So Spencer has a very interesting backstory and uh, arrived in the state of Texas a few years ago. And it's a story that is worth talking about another time. So we're going to close it out. And thank you very much for your time, Spencer. Thank you very much, James. I appreciate it. And uh, for all the kids working out there, keep it up. It's it's really exciting to see your growth. It is exciting. All right. Spencer Dornan from Pegasus Water Polo in Dallas. We'll be right back. Lowry to McDonough with five to shoot. Good flip inside to Galgani. Puts it away. That's the CBU fight song, which may or may not ever be played at water polo matches. We'll, uh, we'll ask that hard-hitting question and more with Zach Lowry, two-time Texas Player of the Year and 2018 WWPA assist leader, who joins us via Skype. How are you, Zach? Good. How are you, James? Good. So we want to talk to Zach hopefully regularly over the rest of the season. Um, he's one of the premier players on the West Coast now and also obviously had a fine career in the state of Texas. Um, right. First of all, your team, your California Baptist Lancers, are 9-11 in second place in the WWPA, and you just completed an undefeated weekend hosting the Lancer Joust. Um, you played the new team from Ottawa, Arizona twice, and you beat them pretty soundly. I think that's fair to say. But what I'm curious about is when you play Austin College. So that's a team that's loaded with players that you know from the state, right? Yes, sir, it is. And so what's that, how does that go? I mean, because uh, it's, it's obvious. So it's not necessarily competitive when you play against them, but you know all these guys. Is it, is it fun or is it more intense or you're trying to prove a point? Or, or how does that work for you? For me, it's, it's, it's super fun to go back and see guys you grew up playing high school with, you know, grew up having rivalries with. So it's, there is a competitive nature to it of where you want to go show them how well you know your team is doing compared to theirs so i feel like there is like that that rivalry still there but it's it's not as much when you're getting you know you have your subs you have your teammates going in and out playing so it's it's a lot of fun as well a lot of fun so they and my understanding is and according to coach lawrence at austin college that they were actually winning their last game so does that put additional pressure on you to try to get your team turned around because uh you know you know all these guys how does that work there is yeah they were there they were winning the first half of our last uh competition against them so it was it was pretty frustrating for me especially um to try and get our guys turned around and in a positive mindset and throughout the game you could tell it it took it took time to figure out how to reset our feet and reset that positive mindset in order to in order to bring that game back to like the pace at which we wanted it and eventually eventually we got it turned around the second half was definitely in our favor and we played really well you 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 mentioned pace does that mean basically that you want to just outswim them or is it more a matter of the way that you actually distribute the ball and that kind of thing or both it's i would say pace at the collegiate level is very different from the high school level it's it's more of a faster game, but at the same point, you have to you have to be patient in knowing where to put the ball at the right time. Mm. So, then, for, exa- for example, yeah, Austin College, like, I feel like it was something for me to develop freshman year that I wasn't aware that I needed to develop. But the collegiate level pace is very different from, I feel like, the pace a lot of, a lot of Texas teams are going to learn very quickly. That yeah, it's the sort of the reminder, like uh, 
Coach Wooden at UCLA used to say, be quick, but don't hurry. And there's exactly. this notion, right? So so hurry up, but uh, make sure that you're making smart decisions along the way. So, well, that's a curious point. You just spoke about the difference between, first of all, Texas water polo and high school water polo and what happens at the collegiate level. Um, but you also made mention of how your freshman year was different than you expected, but uh, you've obviously had a great deal of success in the last couple of years. What changed? Uh, freshman year, I think Rosa, Coach Rosa knew it was it was going to be a learning experience for me, and I wasn't aware of that going in. So going into freshman year, it was a little a little frustrating. You know, I was I was expecting to go out there and kill it, but then Rosa also gave me gave me my minutes to learn how how to play at the collegiate level, and I feel like it really turned for the better in the spring of my freshman year when I was able to figure out like my role on the team and figure out what position he wants me at. Cause that was spring of freshman year was the season he started to lean to, to move me towards the four or five side mm-hmm. and which led into my sophomore year where just by like injuries, I ended up and like working hard. I ended up uh, filling the starting role very quickly. And it, it just was, I tried to take the best opportunity I could and, you know, built for the guys that we were all playing for each other that year and ended up going really well. So you, uh, you've been steered toward that four or five side, the right-hander, well, the left-hander side on the right side of the cage. Was that the intention of coach Rosa from the beginning, as far as you know, or was that something that you adapted to over time? I feel like as, as a, like at the collegiate level, you're always able to get one, two sided attackers. If that makes sense. There's loads of right-handed players out there that, you know, are getting better every year. So I think his his idea was, you know, we don't have a lot of four or five side guys coming in. Mm-hmm. There weren't a lot of lefties in the recruiting classes of mine and the one above me. So he, he needed to fill those four or five side roles. And I feel like um, at, at the after my freshman year, I could go either way and possibly like jump over a few people to get some minutes. So he he gave me the idea of playing four or five side and like trying to make myself known on that side. And if if I started to prove myself on that side, it would be a lot more successful for me as a player. So I I jumped at the opportunity and uh, it worked out really well. I loved the side. It was a much more defensive side than I expected. Uh huh. But which was I I wasn't I wasn't ready for that until. Later on, and it start. I started to develop my defensive, and now going back to the one two sided, I feel much more comfortable on either one. Right, and and it's yielded some success. You're uh, you've had 30 goals this, so far this season. It's not even close to being over. 28 assists, 58 points overall, which is the highest ranking on your team so far. Uh, I did notice that one of your teammates, Logan Mena, has uh, 70 shots. What's up with that? He he's he likes putting the ball in the back of the net. He he still has a really good shooting percentage, which is which is what we want. He's, he does. He's yeah, the five one, fourteen. Yes, sir. He's the one we uh we try and get the ball to. He's our big dog, so we yeah, go to you're not, a lot. You're not far behind at sixty seven shots, so it's a yeah. it's fun, it's fun <laughs> both of you. So um so you again once a ha- having a very successful season. Right now you're ranked second in WWPA behind the the mighty UC San Diego Tritons. Um and so what are your expectations for the next few weeks as you're getting as you're approaching WWPA championships? 
We're gonna we're gonna try and win win as most of the games as we can. We have UCLA this weekend. We're gonna go and try and hit them in the face. I would like to say, you know, I would like to surprise them this weekend. We would like to win out on conference games. That's that's for sure. Because that that seeding going into WWPAs is gonna be very important this year, considering who knows what's going on with collegiate water polo this year. All kinds of upsets throughout. Right. Every- conference and uh so yeah we're trying to win out in wwpas i think that's the most important goal we have right now ucla this weekend they've uh, been ranked on the top at some at least some point during the year um you mentioned how topsy-turvy it's been this year surprising outcomes is that something that you guys talk about uh, you know during practice oh for sure we always have meetings about like being able to upset other teams especially um we have pro- like professional psychological meetings and he always goes i've seen plenty of uh david and goliath games Mm. and i believe there's there's plenty of those left in our season that we can we can take the opportunity to have so i feel like this is definitely one of those games where we we have the opportunity to do something great yeah well you have ucla on the 19th and santa clara that's a wwpa matchup up in northern california along with harvard st francis and bucknell that's coming up um, at, at the next two tournaments we wish you the best of luck and we hope to catch up with you again at some point so thank you for your time zach thank you so much james you're listening to the tx water polo podcast We're back, James and Joe, on the TX Water Polo Podcast. Just a couple more things before we get out of here. Um, first of all, um, the competition in California was not all that was going on. There's a ton going on in the state of Texas, too. Yeah, this weekend there's the uh, like the like like this like the Cypher Water Polo Club is putting on the Shark Fest in Northwest Houston. Uh, I believe this this past weekend, you know, Thunder had their game day in North Texas. I think Viper Pigeon had a had a game day in Houston. I think Southside and Lake Jackson got together and had a game day in Houston. And then you had a scrimmage day last weekend, right? In Aquatex? Yep, yep. Aquatex, San Antonio, sorry, Aquatex, Bernie, Austin, and uh, Longhorn got together at our pool. Yep. And uh, some of the developmental clubs in North Texas, Rockwell and Titan, got together for a game day this past weekend as well. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a ton of water pool going on. And I think the tournament this weekend at the Shark Fest. They have so many teams that they're actually playing Friday night games. Yes. Which is which is good and bad, you know, but but you know, that just that just means that there's a need. There's a there's a growing need. So um and I'm and I'm really excited. And then also this upcoming weekend is are the UIL meetings their October meeting in Austin. So I know I'll be going there along with some Tisca water polo people and we hope that, you know, that they talk a little bit more about water polo. And hopefully, and, uh, and kind of hopefully we can take the next step. So. Yeah, and I think that's a pretty universal sentiment. It's like I'm looking forward to hearing about what goes on there. As you can tell, it's that's an anxious weekend because uh, we're definitely rooting for this to actually come to fruition finally, as where it becomes a, a UIL sport. And then there's going to come a point that if it happens, we don't know if it will, but there's all kinds of repercussions for if it happens. So obviously, you and I, I think, agree that this is a good idea, but it doesn't mean that there aren't some after effects that you have to account for. Yeah, and we can go over that next week after the meetings, and I can give everybody a recap, and we can talk about, hey, once it does and if it becomes a UAL sport, you know, kind of kind of what are some of the other things that are going to happen, like schedule changes, like, you know, club tournament, how is it going to affect club, et cetera. Right. 
So, yeah. I mean, but, but yeah, we'll definitely go over that next weekend or next it, week. It, going back to Cy Fair for a moment, has the list of – num, the number of clubs that are registered with USA Water Polo in the state of Texas, has it ever been higher than it is now? No. Yeah, it's impressive. I mean, you look at the schedule for the Cy Fair thing and you notice, like, these are teams that I've, I, I may have heard of them. You know, the community here is small enough, but I haven't seen them competing anywhere. So it's really – I'm actually ex- really excited about it. Um, it's it's uh, the the indicators of growth are are ever present. Yeah, we have the most kids that we've ever had. We're at over 2,100 athletes for uh, that are USA Water Polo memberships. I uh, I know there's a lot more kids that are playing that may not be a USA Water Polo member, like high school. Right. And, yeah, and like and some developmental stuff through want play splash ball or some multi sport organizations. But um, yeah, the number of people, the number of coaches, the number of refs. It's never been higher. I think that's a good note to end on. So if you like what you hear here, give us a good rating on whichever platform you use to listen to us. Um, our three favorite podcasts off the deck, Nearside Low and Cross Pass, are still available on our website on the front page. Um, and we would like to hear from you as well. You can reach us at uh, pod at txwaterpolo.com. And then look for us on Twitter and Facebook at TXWaterPolo, Instagram at TX underscore WaterPolo, and on the web at TXWaterPolo.com. We've completed yet another one, Joe. Thank you again for your time. All right. Take care, James. All right. Uh, thanks to all of you for listening and for telling a friend about the TX Water Polo podcast. Until next week, so long from Austin. <laughs>